What's going on, guys? My name is Jordan. I'm one of the pastors here. So growing up, I was always really short for my age, uh, but that didn't really matter because I had the mouth of a seven-footer. And I remember one day I was playing basketball at the YMCA, and I got into it with some guys there. And I turned around and I said, listen, if you guys keep on talking to me like that, my brother and his boys are going to knock all of you out. And I turned around to look for my help, and nobody was there. And by the time I turned back around, there was about 10 really angry men uh, approaching me. And in those moments, in about those, the most nerve-wracking nine seconds of my life, I wish to God, I prayed a little internal prayer, I would have done anything to take those words that I had spoken and shove them back into my mouth. Now, thankfully, I didn't get a beat, beat down like I deserved, but I knew in that moment that my mouth had written a check that my butt could not cash. Now, turns out that's not the only regrettable thing I've ever said. Have you ever congratulated somebody for being pregnant? And they are not. I have done that. I went up to somebody super hype and enthusiastic. Oh, congratulations. How many months are you? And she looked at me and said, uh, I'm not. In those moments, I watched her face drop, and I would have given $1,000 to just uh, create a hole into the ground and crawl into that hole and just lay there and uh, away from everybody in the world. Now, today, I, st I, I don't matter. It doesn't matter if you are nine months pregnant with a sonogram taped to your forehead. I won't say anything about you being pregnant. I'll just pretend <laughs> like you're not. I'll just say, so, anything exciting happening? <laughs> Lesson learned. Now, you don't even have to be a religious person. You don't have to be a Christian to, to know uh, or to feel me on that, right? To have said something in life that as soon as you said it, you wished. You would have given anything to take those words and shove them back in your mouth. And here's why. Words, words are powerful. I bet that the way that we see ourselves today is a reason is shaped by the words that were spoken to us over our lives. Now, you might have had some really positive influence in your life, people that told you that you could accomplish anything, that you could make it, that you could succeed, and those words were the fuel that you used to get you by when you doubted yourself. But alternatively, somebody might have said something to you 20 years ago about your nose or about your complexion or about your weight or about the way your body looks or about any one of these things, and those words might still haunt you to this day. Something an ex-boyfriend or girlfriend said to you when you were breaking up a decade ago might be the words that haunt you to this day. Words are powerful. Solomon says like this in the book of Proverbs 19, or 18, 21, he says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. So there's incredible power in what we speak to people and what we say to ourselves. And here's the even crazier thing about not just the words that were spoken to us that have shaped our lives, but a lot of words that you have spoken to other people have shaped theirs. The words that you say to your kids will shape them. The words that you say to your coworkers and your, and your people on your job will, will shape the environment of your job. And we're in this book of James, and, and James gives us some really practical things on how we are to manage our words and how we are to watch our mouths and how we are to watch what we say. And James is a really practical book. Uh, if you guys have been following along with us, bravo to you. If not, if this is your first week, um, if you're being introduced to James, James is not really worried about deep theological concepts. James doesn't spend a great deal of time uh, going through all of the theological constructs that other New Testament writers might have gone through. James basically says this, hey, if you're a Christian, 
this is how you should live. If you, if you claim, if you profess faith in Jesus Christ, then that, that faith should internalize itself into your heart. It should make its way into every single part of you. And what James will tell us today is especially your mouth, especially your tongue. It should, it should change the way that you talk. And James lets us in on, on a secret, on the, on the power of words and how our words really do determine the direction of our lives. So James uh, spends a good deal of time uh, digging into stuff because we spend so much time in our lives talking. A fifth of your life will be spent with you talking. Every single year, you could write 66 books of 800 pages apiece of just words that you have spoken. On average, you speak about 25,000 words a day. Now, if you're from New York and you speak faster, it's probably more words than that than if you're from somewhere in the south of the southern drawl. It takes you guys a little longer to, to get stuff out. <laughs> but words are, are incredibly powerful. Some of you right now, and, and I know because I've spoken to you, some of you are, are dealing with deep, uh, deep-seated hurts, deep-seated issues based solely on what somebody has said to you. And our words are extremely powerful, so we got to get our words under control. So James lets us in on a couple different things. He says, hey, we all stumble in many ways. If anyone is uh, never at fault in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. Now, James says, if you can control your mouth, you're perfect. And and by perfect, he's not saying that you have never made any mistakes. Uh, He's basically saying you're mature or you're healthy. And here's what James is getting at. If you want a mature and healthy relationship, watch what you say. If you want a mature and healthy path at your job, at your career, Watch what you say. If you want your children to be raised in a healthy and mature way, watch what you say. If you want your relationship to flourish, if you want your friendships to flourish, if you want your church community to flourish, watch what you say. James digs in and gives us a couple of reasons why we have to learn to manage our mouths. Uh, And the first one is probably one of the, the scariest, and it's this. My tongue directs where I go. My tongue directs where I go. James says it like this in, uh, in, in chapter 3, verse 3 through 5. He says, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. And this is what James is saying. Your tongue... Your words have tremendous influence over the words of your life. Where are you headed in life? Where are you going to be in 10 years? What's the status of your relationship going to be in 10 years? You can answer that question by how you're talking right now. Look at your words. And James gives us a parallel, a couple parallels. The first one he gives us to a horse. And I went on Amazon this week, and I bought this thing right here. It's called a bit. Now, you can have a 95-pound jockey who wears a striped T-shirt, and he can control a 2,000-pound animal with just this little thing in my hand right here, right? Some little dude with, uh, you know, riding on the back of a 2,000-pound sea biscuit can control it based solely on putting this bit into its mouth. And like also, like you also, James says, the direction and the destiny of your life, the direction is determined by what you say. Your direction is determined by not, you know, just what you, what you want, not just your desires, but your words will determine your direction. And the tongue is small and it's tiny, and we think uh, because this, the, our tongue or because our words are seemingly insignificant, they can't get us into too much trouble. Yeah, right. Your words will determine the direction that you're going in. 
And then he says, consider a ship, right? So think about like a cruise liner, like a three-acre, you know, Disney ship with everybody going crazy on it and kids doing backflips off of waterfalls. Listen, that entire ship can be controlled by a very small rudder underneath it. And here's what James is saying. Your tongue will determine the direction that you're going in. Your tongue. And, and here's why. Think about it like this. The way you talk about yourself and to yourself about your relationship status is going to determine that. If you are saying, in speaking this over your life and saying these things about yourself that, oh, I'll never get in a relationship, right, fellas and, and ladies, if you're saying, oh, I'm never going to get in a good relationship, guess what? You're not. Because you're, the, the way that you are projecting, you, would, you are repelling anybody that would be a good candidate for you, for you. So our words determine the direction that we go in. And the second thing that James tells us is, is, is even crazier. He says, my tongue can destroy what I have. My tongue can destroy what I have. He gives another illustration. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, right? So imagine a beautiful forest, right? Trees everywhere. That entire forest can be burned down by a single match. That entire forest can be burned down uh, by, by a single match. In 1983 in Australia, uh, one fire overnight destroyed over 600 miles of land, uh, villages, and, li and livestock, all from one single match. Now, I've told stories before about me being a pyromaniac, and if you've never doubted me as a leader, you probably start to doubt uh, in, in just a second. Uh, I don't know if my parents know the story, so mom and dad, you might want to cover your ears on this one. I was in high school, and uh, I don't know why I was doing this, being the genius that I was. I was playing with matches, and it was in the fall, and everybody where I was from had to uh, take all of your leaves and put them on the curb. So every single house had just leaves and leaves and piles of leaves at the curb. So I had some matches, and I walked past the first house, struck a match, threw it in the pot of leaves. Nothing happened. Cool. Right, so I'm thinking the leaves are kind of damp. Nothing is going to happen. So one house, I, I struck a match, threw it into the pot of leaves, walked away like nothing was going to happen. And next thing I know, I heard some crackling. I turned around, and I see this amazing fire starting to build, so much so that I ran back thinking that I could try to stop it and knew immediately that I had started a fire that I couldn't put out. And I did what anybody else, uh, anybody, any really good kid would have done. I ran home and pretended I didn't do anything. <laughs> Here's the crazy thing. The fire was actually getting close to somebody's house, and they had to call the fire department to put the fire out, all because of one match. Now, I could have burned down somebody's house. I could have killed somebody, all because of a match. And here, here's what James is saying. All because of a careless word you speak, all, be care, all because of a, a, an insult, all because of talking behind somebody's back or, or saying something to somebody, you can start a fire with your words that you can't put out. You can start a fire with your words that you can't put out. You could set something in, in, in motion. You can say something to your children. You can say something to yourself. You can say something to a boss, a coworker, a classmate. You can say something that you yourself can't put out. Ask Meek Mill, right? Meek Will got on Twitter and trigger fingers turned to Twitter fingers. And he made a comment about Drake, and now his career is on fire. And not in a good direction either. All because of one careless comment. See, your words can start a fire that you can't put out. So James is telling us, watch your words. Watch your words. You can lose it all. Now, gossip is like that. One comment that you make about somebody, you think it's just going to stay in your little circle 
of people and next thing you know, that word that you said about somebody, what you said about somebody has now created a fire that you can't put out. Watch your words. James goes on uh, to, to tell us in verse 6 that it sets the whole course of life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. And look at those words, whole course. James is saying this, that one word has the, the one word, one phrase, one sentence, one conversation has the ability to set the entire course, the, the entire trajectory of that relationship, of that, uh, uh, that friendship. It has the, the potential inside of it to set the whole course on fire. Now, I get to speak to couples all the time who are going through different issues, and usually it starts like, well, I said this, and then she said this, and then I said this, and then she said this, and next thing you know, they're in a, the entire relationship is in fire, all because of one comment that was said. James is also watch our mouths. Proverbs 21 and 23 says, if you want to stay out of trouble, be careful what you say. Now, James uses another illustration. He talks about a zoo in verse 7. He says, for every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But check this out. No man, no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Of all the animals we've tamed, no man can tame the tongue. Right? So check this out. So if you've ever been to the zoo or anything like that, and some, you know, like, the tongue is not like a Rottweiler, right? You can't have a really good, you know, approachable uh, mouth where you never have to worry about it anymore. Like, oh, don't worry about that dog. He's fine. He'll, you know, he won't do anything to you. James is saying the tongue is not tameable. It's something that you're always, always, always going to have to watch out for, even if it appears like it's calm. Because he's saying it's a restless evil full of poison, full of potential to destroy you at any given moment. Think about a zoo or, you know, the years ago they had the circus and they had, you know, the little tigers riding around with a hat on a unicycle. And everybody was like, oh, my God, look how cute the tigers are. And just like Chris Rock said, one day those tigers went tiger, right, and they bit somebody's neck off. Right? Even though they appear to be under control, it is untamable. It is a restless evil, full of poison. So you have to watch what you say. Any given moment, we can ruin our lives. Think about it like this, right? I could ruin my life right now. I can stand on stage. I can make today the most epic Sunday you have ever been to at any church. I can start cursing people out, making people stand up, saying different things. Right? I can make today unforgettable, and I can ruin my life. Right? I get fired. First of all, I wouldn't have a job. I wouldn't have a place to live. My wife would leave me because I'm an idiot, right? And I could ruin my life all because, not anything I did, just because of words that I said. Listen, listen, listen. Please hear me on this. Your words have power. Your words mean something. So you have to think before those words come out of your mouth. You have to consider the words that come out of your mouth. Earlier in James, James says, let every man be slow to speak. Slow to speak because your words have power, and they can destroy relationships. They can destroy people. We have to think about our words. Now, I wonder if the way we look um, and, and the way we talk about ourselves to ourselves and the way we talk about our spouse to our spouse or behind our spouse's back or, or the way that we talk about our kids or talk to our kids or our coworkers or our friends, hey, I, I wonder if those words that are being spoken right now have, have been destroying people. I wonder if because of your insecurity and wanting to see your kids thrive and flourish, you've been putting them down and those kids are going to be in a therapist's couch in 20 years. Our words have power. We have to consider what we say. Now, the third thing that James 
uh, tells us is that my tongue displays who I am. My tongue displays who I am. You want to know your real character? Listen, there's no such thing as the Freudian slip that, oh, my bad, I didn't mean to say it. Yes, you did. James tells us in the scripture, we absolutely did mean to say that. He says it in um, uh, verse 9 through the end. He says, with it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers and my sisters, these things ought not be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, growth fresh, fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Hey, let me ask you a question. If you're, if you're a Christian, if you're here and you, and you claim you follow Jesus, man, can, can people tell that you're a Christian by the way that you talk? Can people at your job, do, do, they, do they notice that, uh, is there something different about you? If, you? if you do claim to be a Christian, if you do claim to have faith in, in, a, in, a, in a God that loved you so much that he gave up everything so much so that he would go to the cross and die for your sins. Hey, if you believe in that guy, do, do people know that you're different by the way that you talk or the way that you refuse to talk? James is asking us a, a question. Hey, can you get grapes from a fig tree? Or vice versa, of course not, because one is going to produce one and the other is going to produce the other. And we have two different things coming out of the same spring. Now, I've seen this happen at Renaissance with my very two eyes. Uh, you know, being on stage, you get the vantage point of being able to see uh, people uh, responding to songs of worship. And, I, and I'll never forget uh, one Sunday early when we first launched, there was a, a person there that was worshiping, tears rolling down their cheeks. And four minutes later, Four minutes later, I was outside grabbing a muffin, and they were talking to their friends, and they were talking about somebody. With the same mouth that was just praising Jesus, with the same mouth that was just thanking God for all the things that God had done in their lives, that same mouth was now starting to curse people. Now, and by curse, I don't mean that you're using profanity per se. I mean that you are putting somebody down. With that same mouth, and here's uh, one of the most, most uh, alarming things about that. Jesus says in Matthew 12 and 34, for out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Right? Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. That there's, there's not something that you said that you didn't mean to say. You absolutely did mean to say it. You might not have wanted to say it, but it was inside of you. And out of the overflow of your heart, the mouth speaks. The reason you talk like that, the reason you say these things about these people, the reason you, you say these things about yourself to yourself, the reason you put yourself down is because that stuff is deeply embedded in you, in your heart. And here's what, and here's what James tells us. Uh, James tells us that we don't necessarily have a filter problem, we have a heart problem. We don't have just a filter problem where we're letting things go uh, that we shouldn't be saying. It's, it's actually sadder and more depressing than that. We have a heart problem. And James uh, lets us in on this, and, and, here, and here's where he digs with this one. He talks about from the same mouth we have cursing, blessing, and cursing, and um, from the same mouth we praise God and we curse men. And here's what James is getting at, that we don't necessarily have this filter problem, we have a worship problem. See, what you have set your, uh, your identity on, what you have set your hope in, what, you, what, you, uh, what gives you meaning in life is a thing that you worship. And James is saying that when you're talking bad about yourself or bad about others or you're putting somebody else down or you're saying things that you're not supposed to be saying, it's not just that you have a filter problem, 
It's something else has captured your imagination that shouldn't be in that place. Something else gives you value and meaning. Something else besides God uh, has become preeminent. Something else besides God has taken that place, and now the end result is you talking down to yourself or talking about somebody else. And here's where we dig with this. See, if you were worshiping God as your creator, for example, if you're worshiping God as your creator, if, if you have a daily reflection of God as a one that has uh, formed you in every single way, Acts 17, 26 says, God predetermined the times and the boundaries of your inhabitants, meaning God determined that you would be born to that family at this time in this location, that God did all of these things in his knowledge on purpose. And God made you with the nose that you have. And God made you with the body type that you have. And God made you from the family that you have. And God did all of these things on purpose. And, uh, and the same thing is true for other people, other people that don't live up to our standards. God made them. And when God made us, he said it is good. Listen, I'm not saying people don't make mistakes and they don't need to be corrected. We're going to dig to that in a second. People absolutely make mistakes, but there's nobody that is a mistake. People definitely make mistakes, but there's nobody that is a mistake, right? And when we curse men, we're not just cursing them, we're cursing the creation. We're saying, God, you messed up when you made them. We don't have just a, a filter problem, it's a worship problem. See, you don't have to be in a relationship more than 12 seconds to realize that people are messed up, people are fallible, people make mistakes, right? If you meet a new friend and you guys are becoming friends, and it's not going to take long for that friend to disappoint you. It's not going to take long for somebody in this church community to disappoint you. The more and more you get a chance to know me, it's not going to take long for me to disappoint you. And, here, and here's the second uh, solution to fixing our mouths, to watching our mouths, is not just worshiping God as our creator and keeping that at the forefront of our mind, but worshiping God as our Savior. See, it, it's difficult. It's difficult to, to judge someone harshly when you yourself are basking in the redemptive grace that has been poured out to you in Jesus Christ. It's difficult for you to say crazy things to other people when you yourself know how much God is your Savior if you're a Christian. And out of that, uh, out of that knowledge, you would then treat other people differently. If you yourself are basking in a daily reflection that once upon a time I was alienated from God, me and God were, were not cool, I was, I was an enemy of God, and while I was still a sinner, Jesus died for me, the ungodly. See, if you're basking in that, it's difficult to, to use your words too harshly to somebody else that makes a mistake. Because you yourself know how much you need God, you know, you know how much you need God for, for your salvation, and you know that you didn't earn it. So God gave you a free gift, and how dare you turn around on somebody else? and berate them down to the ground. So we don't have just a, a filter problem, we have a worship problem, that our mind has been taken off uh, the fact that God is our creator and he didn't make any mistakes. And God is our savior and he has forgiven us freely through the love he has for us expressed in Jesus Christ. And when we are focusing on these things, it helps us to watch our mouths. And there's a couple of things that I want us uh, to focus on. See. A couple of things that I want us, want us to do. I want us to look at Ephesians 4 and 29. It should be on the screen. It says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, so that it may benefit those who listen. I want to read that again. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. The application here is very simple. Listen, for the Christian, this is what James, is, this is what Scripture tells us. 
the standard for what you should say is not just truthfulness. See, a lot of us say, well, that was true. He did do that. She did do that. I, am, I did do that. That was true. I mean, I didn't lie. The standard for, for Christian speech is not simply truthfulness. It's helpfulness. Is what you're about to say, is what you are about to say helpful? If it's not helpful, don't say it. Is what you are about to say, that's, that's it, that's the test. Is what I'm about to say to, to my friend, is this helpful or am I just mad? Is what I'm about to say to, you know, to somebody at this church, is, this, is it helpful or is this going to make, you know, get, get me some laughs? See, insecure people talk the most about other people behind their backs because they're trying to get laughs and affirmation from other people. So they say the worst things. It's not helpful to you or to the other people. Is it helpful? That argument you're about to get into, listen, run it through these words. Is what I'm about to say helpful? If it's not helpful, shut up and don't say it. A couple things I want us to do. Um, one of the things, and I, and I know this is, this is one of the heavier parts, one of the things that, that happens when, you know, we talk about the, the power of our words is we think about all of the things that we've said that, you know, may or may not have been uh, good or helpful. And there are some fires that some of you guys have started, and, and some of those fires have burned beyond control already, and you can't put those out. But some of them you can. Some of them you can. And I want us to take ownership of the fires that we've started. And here, here's why. Here's why this is so, so important. If you take ownership of a fire that you have started, the chances that you would start another fire like that decrease. If you take ownership for a fire that you've started with your words, if you confess it and, and, and own up to what you have done, the chances are you won't start a fire like that again. Years ago, my brother, I'll never forget this, my, my parents, uh, he, he stole a book from a library and my parents I uh, said, all right, you stole a book. Let's go back to the library, and you're going to tell them that you stole it. And he was, like, weeping. He had snot coming out of his nose, like, please, please don't make me go back there and, and, and do it. And he never did it again because he owned up for the, for, for the mistake that he made, and that actually changed the trajectory of his life. Now, listen, some of you guys have started fires with your words, and I want you to take responsibility for them. And here's how not to take responsibility. Don't say, well, listen, I might have said something that might have offended you. I don't know if it did, if it didn't. Hey, if it did, my bad. If not, yo, listen, you might. No, no, that's not ownership. Responsibility is this. Listen, I said this. This was not helpful. This was wrong. I'm sorry. Conversation over, right? Don't, don't, don't drag it out. Don't demand an apology, that, that they accept your apology immediately. Say sorry. Address it. Take responsibility for the fire that you have started, and that's it, and leave it alone. And, and pray that God would restore the relationship if, if restoration could happen. And then I, I want you to go home, and I want you to pray about ways that you can uh, repair relationships that you've broken. Uh, the, the, you know, again, there's some things that may be too far gone. Uh, but there, there may be ways that you could specifically earn the trust back, earn the right back to be heard uh, in their lives. And if, that's, if there's a way for you to do that, I want you to do it. I want you to swallow your pride, and I want you to confess, and I want you to take ownership, and I want you to try to find a way to do that. Now, last thing, on your way out, uh, there's going to be a card that we're going to give you. Um, I feel very, very passionately that a lot of us, all of us, myself included, especially me, we need to consider the words that we are speaking before we speak them. Uh, the, the one of the things that I deal with so much uh, as a pastor here at Renaissance is putting out fires that people have started with their words. 
And on your way out, everybody's going to get a card that says, that has two different scriptures. Uh, the first scripture is Proverbs 10 and 19. And I want you to memorize these. It says, when there are many words, transgression is unavoidable. But he who restrains his lips is wise. She who restrains her lips is wise. And I want you to take this card, and I want you to put it in your wallet, put it on your desk, put it on your car, uh, put it in your, on your refrigerator, put it somewhere, and I want you to memorize these scriptures and say it over and over and over again, because it's going to keep you out of some hot water. Second scripture is a prayer that I want you to pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. These two scriptures, you're gonna, uh, the, the greeters will have baskets on the way out. I want you to take one um, and, and, and reflect on it. Keep it in your wallet. I want you to say it over and over and over again. Memorize these two verses. Now, check this out. Usually at this time, a lot of us feel pretty guilty, and we think about different ways um, that we've said the wrong thing. And, hey, the last thing I want you to do is, is walk away from here beating yourself up. And, and here's why. Um, when Jesus was on his way to the cross, uh, there were people who were speaking some incredibly negative words to him. And instead of Jesus turning to God and saying, yo, wait, just wait till I come into glory. We're going to burn these suckers down, right? <laughs> Jesus didn't say that. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Say, so if you're a follower of Jesus, every word that you've spoken has been nailed to the hands of the cross, to been nailed to the hands of Jesus on that cross. And listen, I don't want you thinking about all the mistakes that you've made because that's not going to get you anywhere other than a pity party. I want you to think about the, the God that forgives you, the God that get, lavishes his grace on you despite the make, mistakes that you make. And I want you to cherish that a little bit more as Jesus, your Savior, and that would make you more gracious to other people. Let me pray for us. Father, I pray that um, everybody here today could, could understand the gravity and the weight of our words God, that we wouldn't take it lightly. Uh, we wouldn't play around with our words like a chainsaw and, and end up hurting ourselves or somebody else. God, I, I pray that we would start to speak well of other people, that we would restrain our lips. And God, we would, the insecurities in our heart that cause us to say things, the, the fears, the frustrations, Father, I pray that you would meet them. I pray that you would show us how to deal with them in an emotionally healthy way. Father, I pray for everybody here today, God, that you would, man, just equip us to be people that reflect the type of community that you're trying to bring about, a people that watches our words. Bless us in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.